Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Good to see you at Faith today. Welcome to our new series at the movies. Take your Bibles out. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. At the movies. You know, we... Many of you love to go to movies, not everybody, but a lot of you do, and it's because there's always a storyline, there's a plot line, and when we see a good story or read a good story, we want to lean in, want to hear what the story is, want to know what the climax is, want to know what the resolution is, want to know what the lessons we learn and gain from those are, and so they become very intriguing to us. But I will tell you, the greatest story ever told is the Word of God. It's his story. It is all about God. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will be looking at this every single week. I can guarantee that. Now, I want you to invite somebody to come next week. Make, let them be a part of what's going on. We have tickets on the way out the door. Take some tickets. Invite a friend. Invite a neighbor. Let them know what's going on. And they will want to be a part of that as well. This morning, we're looking at a, a movie called Inside Out. It is a Pixar animation movie put out by the Disney Corporation. It's about an 11-year-old girl by the name of Riley. Riley is facing the trauma of transition. We've all had those transition times in our life, and, and they can be very dramatic. Her father has just accepted a new job. And he's going to move from Minnesota. He's going to move away from all of Riley's friends, all of her, uh, all the hiking in the woods and the lakes and the hockey and all that she has been doing growing up. And now she's going to go to a new city, San Francisco. And she finds herself in the middle of the city, and there's no friends there, and there's no lakes, and there's no woods. And there's no hockey, and none of those things are there that she had experienced before. And so she's facing all these kinds of emotions. Now what happens is this movie takes you inside of Riley's head. And you see five different kinds of emotions that are going on, and and the whole animation is about what's going on in her brain at the time. And you see joy, and you see fear, and you see anger and disgust and sadness. How many has ever felt every one of those emotions? Let me see your hand. We've all been there. We have all felt those things very, very intently. And in one interaction with her mother, Riley makes a decision that could begin to change everything. Take a look. Hi, honey. The mom bad news train is pulling in. Toot, toot. Still not moving, Van. (laughs) Now they're saying it won't be here till Tuesday. Can you believe it? Toot, toot, toot. Where's dad? On the phone. This new venture is keeping him pretty busy. I rest my case. Oh, your dad's a little stressed. You know about getting his new company up and running. Now, for a few well-placed withering scowls. Uh, I guess all I really want to say is thank you. Huh? You know, through all this confusion, you've stayed... Well, you've stayed our happy girl. Your dad's under a lot of pressure. But if you and I can keep smiling, it would be a big help. We can do that for him, right? Whoa. Well. Yeah, sure. What did we do to deserve you? Sweet dreams. Good night. 
Well, you can't argue with mom. Happy you did. Team happy. Sounds great. Totally behind you, Joy. In one fell swoop, Riley's mother is telling her basically to stuff all of her emotions. Just be happy. Just smile. Just put on your happy face and everything will be okay and you're going to be all right and we're all going to be all right. Just stuff your emotions down. Deal with it by just trying to be happy on the outside. And, and it may seem on the surface like a simple request, but this reaction to transition, this reaction to hardship and struggles disables us from getting through these major seasons in our life that everyone have experienced and everyone has to go through at some time or another. Often because of our busy schedules, we don't want to deal with it. And, and our quick relationships and our in and out experiences and our, and our quick transitions, even, even in church. You'll walk into church on a Sunday morning and someone says the obligatory, how are you doing today? And what's the first thing we always say? Fine. I'm doing great. How are you doing? And, and what we'll do is we're literally lying through our teeth because we're not doing great. And we're not feeling fine. And everything's not okay. And we go through these times in our life, we go through these challenges, we go through these difficulties when we're not experiencing all that happiness, but for some reason we're not really honest with our emotions. We want to bury them, we want to push them down. And there's several reasons for this. First of all, we're not sure they really want to know what's going on in our life. Sometimes they're just saying, how you doing? And and we know they don't want a long answer, they don't want to really know how we're doing, they're just being polite. They're just making conversation. They're just kind of filling up the time. And so we're not so sure they even want to know what's going on in our lives. And so we kind of press it all down and say, I'm fine. Everything's okay. And maybe we don't answer because it just seems like too much baggage to begin to unpack. And if I, if I start telling them all that's going on inside of me, I'll never get it all out. And there's just too many things happening. And I don't have the time to go into it right now. And so for that reason, we just continue to stuff it down a little bit lower, and we don't talk about it. And sometimes we don't want to acknowledge our problems because it hurts too much. And when we talk about it, we, we bring up the hurt, we bring up the pain, and it just seems to hurt all the more. It's like, you know, you have a Band-Aid on your arm and you pull off the Band-Aid. You know how it hurts when you take it off those hairs on top of your scab or whatever. And so we just leave it there for months at a time because we don't want to pull the Band-Aid off. And if we can just put our heads down and keep a stiff upper lip and and live full lives and we fill our lives with activity and we fill our lives with stuff and we fill our lives with busyness, maybe somehow our problems will go away. And if we just ignore it and we don't really deal with it and we don't acknowledge it and we don't seek out help, and it happens way too often. In church, it's very easy to come in and wear our happy mask. and We put our happy face on. And we act like everything's fine. And, and somehow there's also this thought in the back of our brains, and I don't know where we got this or where it even started, but if I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to have any problems. We think, you know what, I, I'm a believer, and I'm a child of God, and because I am a Christian, Christians never have problems. I want to tell you nothing can be further from the truth. Somewhere along the line, we thought that we're not supposed to ever be sad or disgusted or have any fear 
or have any anger, just joy, 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 and happiness, happiness, happiness. And we push down the negative emotions, and we deny our emotions, and want to feel blessed, and we move on, but that's not what the Bible talks about. So let's take a look at a story in John 16. Let's stand together as we read God's Word this morning. And I want you to see it with me together today and kind of begin to get a sense of what the disciples must have been feeling as they're coming down to the end here. John 16 and verse 16. In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does this mean in a little while? You will see me no more, and then after a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, what does it mean by in a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, and so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep. And mourn while the world rejoices. But your grief will be turned to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born unto the world. So with you. So now is your time of grief. But I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be complete. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, that when we're grieving, you are with us. When we rejoice, you are with us. We thank you, God, that there in the midst of every kind of emotion that we might experience, there can be a deep-seated joy knowing that your presence is always there. I thank you, God, for your sweet presence this morning. Open up our hearts and our minds today, I pray in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. All through Scripture, we see... God's people going through all kinds of emotions. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of our makeup. It's a part of our DNA. We are emotional people, and and they express intense emotions. You read the Psalms, and Psalms are incredible, but you see all these kind of emotions that David experiences. He wrote most of the Psalms that we have today, and so you've got these emotions. And one time he writes, why so downcast, O my soul? I'm down, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm going through a, a challenging time. Why so down, Ken? And you see Jeremiah. Jeremiah himself is called the weeping prophet because he wept and he grieved so much over the state of the nation of Israel as they're going to go into Babylonian captivity. And you see Jesus Christ himself. You see all the wide range of emotions that he experienced in his life. You see his anger with the Pharisees and how he would get very, very upset with them, his anger in the temple and how they made a 
mockery at God's house of prayer. You see his sadness at a funeral of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You see his desire to get away from the crowds, his desire to be alone. And there was those times that he would just have to be by himself. And then, of course, you see the peak of his emotions when he's getting ready to do the cross. And you feel his loneliness, and you feel his heart breaking in two, and his isolation, and he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All these depths of emotions. But it's in all these emotions we find wholeness in our life. It is who we are. We experience healing and freedom and joy through every cycle of life, through every emotion we might encounter along the way. Now, this morning we're going to look a little bit through the eyes of Riley, that 11-year-old girl that you saw a clip of, but we're also going to look through the eyes of 12 very frightened disciples. And as they're going through their time of grief, thinking about the fact that Jesus is going to be taken away from them. And we're going to learn how to live healthy lives literally from the inside out. So let's journey together. First of all, if you're going to find wholeness, you've got to acknowledge how you feel. Acknowledge how you feel. Look again at verse number 20. He says there, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Right away you see uh, two emotions taking place, the emotion of sadness and grieving. At the same time, for some reason, the world is rejoicing. You will grieve But your grief will turn to joy in a little while. In just a few hours, Jesus Christ is about to be arrested in the garden. And this is his last kind of dialogue. You have this incredible, uh, it's only found in the book of John, John 14, 15, and 16. This is kind of his last sermon, his last message, the last thoughts, his last will and testaments that he is leaving with his disciples his disciples are on this emotional roller coaster, and all these emotions are flooding through their minds. Their brains are, are going crazy. They're confused, first of all, about what Jesus is saying. He says, in a little while, I'm going to be taken away, and in a little while, you're going to grieve. In a little while, then you're going to feel joy. In a little while, and you have this, this thought going over and over again in these verses, and they're confused. What's he mean by in a little while? What's he talking about? What's about to happen to us? So all this confusion is happening in their minds. You see sorrow over the loss they're about to experience. And he says, you will grieve, and your grieving will last, but it will only be for a little while. You probably notice fear going on in the life of these disciples. What are we going to do? Who's going to lead us? Where are we going to turn to? What's, what's going to happen with the rest of our lives? And, and joy, probably not on this night. I don't think you could find joy right now anywhere deep in the emotion of these disciples. But he says, he promises them, hang with me, stay with me, because your sorrow will be turned into joy. That phrase in a little while is used seven times from verses 16 through 20. You can count them. I did the other night. They were sad now at the prospect of Jesus leaving them. So they were grieving right now. So they were in that first in a little while period. And then Jesus Christ would be crucified and they would go and they would place his body in a tomb and he would remain there for three days. And so you see that in a little while, that span of the crucifixion of the resurrection. It's a little while. It's three days long, but their, their grief would be so intense. Their pain would be so incredible. Their fear would be enormous as they would hide behind locked doors. And so you see that second little span of in a little while you will grieve. But he said in a little while your grief will be turned into joy. 
The disciples wanted to believe. They wanted to be joyful. They wanted to be excited. But inside, they're grieving, and on the outside, they're weeping, and they're mourning, and they're going through all these emotions as they're coming from the inside out, and they're experiencing every kind of emotion that you could possibly experience. It's interesting that John contrasted with the world's reaction, the world's partying and rejoicing because Christ has just been crucified, but he says, you will grieve because I'll be taken away from you. It's amazing that at the same time, two opposite reactions can be going on and taking place. As believers, I think we live under a false assumption that we always have to be happy. That somehow happiness is a part of who I am and I've always got to be happy and I've always got to be up and I I never face reality and I never face my problem and I never face the challenges that come this our way. But listen to me, if happiness is your goal, it becomes very elusive. And let me tell you why. Because happiness is all about me. And you become very inward focused. And so we strive for happiness and we search for happiness, but somehow happiness in itself, if that becomes your end goal, it becomes very, very elusive. It's like that elusive butterfly that lights for a moment of happiness, but all of a sudden it goes away. And when it goes away, you are left empty all again and you search for your next way to find some kind of happiness. And it just kind of goes As a believer, the chief end of man is not your happiness, but is to glorify the Lord. Let me say that one more time. I want you to get this. As a believer, the chief end of man is not your own personal happiness. Your chief end and goal in life is to glorify the Lord. You live for a higher purpose. It's to give him worship and praise and glory and honor. And in that time, in this time of life, we will experience all kinds of emotions. Let me tell you this morning, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. In fact, I will tell you this morning, listen to me, many of you here today are struggling today and you're fighting real battles and you're dealing with real problems and you're dealing with real emotions and you're going through stuff and junk in your life right now. And I'm so glad you came this morning. Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 3, he, he goes into the synagogue and he, and he, and he finds the, uh, it's the Sabbath day and the Pharisees are there and there's a man with a shriveled hand and they're all waiting, all the Pharisees and Sadducees are waiting to see what he is going to do because it's on the Sabbath day. And the Bible says that he was deeply disturbed and angry at the hardness of their hearts. Two emotions. An emotion that's going on in Riley's mind, a couple of emotions, the, the emotion of disgust and the emotion of anger. In Luke 10, 21, Jesus says, Jesus, it's, the word says Jesus is full of joy. He's full of joy when the disciples return and they come back with their reports and they said, we saw the sick healed and we saw demons cast out and, and, and they were excited about the power they had and the authority they had. And the Bible says Jesus rejoiced with them. He feels joy at their return. 
And then in Luke 22 and verse 44, he's in the garden. And the Bible says he was in much anguish of soul. And then, of course, in John 11:35, you have the shortest verse in the word of God. He's at the gravesite of Lazarus. And the Bible says, Jesus wept. It wasn't a show. It wasn't something he put on for the crowd. I believe he was grieving at that moment for the family and those who are gathered around. And he identifies with their sufferings. Uh, and he weeps. He cries. The only one witness that I didn't really find in the word of God for Jesus was the emotion of fear. And it's not to say that when he was facing the cross, he may not have felt that at some point. But listen to what the word of God says. Perfect love cast out all fear. And Jesus Christ himself is the only one to be perfectly full of love. And he was right in the center of the Father's will. And uh, you don't see that as an emotion ascribed to him in the word of God. And yet all of us, I will tell you, very imperfect as we are, will experience that emotion of fear at times in our life. Fear. Christianity is not about ridding ourselves of all emotions but joy. It's not living in continual denial. When we deny our emotions, we deny our dependence on God. When we deny our emotions, when we push it all down, when we act like it doesn't exist, when we put on our facade, in doing that, we are denying our dependence on God. In fact, the Bible says, in my weakness, then I am strong. And if we deny our weakness, we will never know his strength. It's all about pushing our emotions down. Without acknowledgement, we get stuck and we struggle through the rest of our life and we never find the freedom that God has for us. We refuse to get the Lord to help us through our challenges. If we stuff our emotions, we simply push it aside, cast it off, but we find no healing, we find no hope, we find no help. Deep in, our, deep in the memory bank of Riley, she had an Amer- imaginary friend. His name is Bing Bong, and so I don't know about the name, but anyway, it's a kid's movie, so uh, bear with me here. But, uh, but has this imaginary friend deep in the recesses of her mind, and he is grieving because he's the forgotten imaginary friend that she had growing up. Take a look at this clip and kind of fill in the blanks. Hey, it's going to be okay. We can fix this. We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, bing bong, look at this. Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone. Forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, they were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness. That sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. Yeah, it's sad. I'm okay now. Come on, 
The train station is this way. All right, the first thing that you got to do to find wholeness is acknowledge your emotions. Acknowledge that you have these different emotions going on, sometimes conflicting in our own mind. The, the second thing is you got to deal with them. Deal with your emotions. He said, now you experience grief. Jesus told his disciples that. He says, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I understand what is happening to you. You're about to experience a great loss. I think when someone is deeply grieving, the worst thing we can do is to walk up to them and say, just cheer up. Just put on your happy face. Just smile. Just get up. Just keep going. It's going to be okay. Just smile. Don't think about it. Just put it in the back of your resources. But those words sound so hollow and they always lack understanding because the person you're talking to can't relate to that at all and they can't relate to you. How can we help somebody if all we say is it's going to get better and just cheer up and, and feel good all the time? Grief can be a part of the healing process. When you suffer a major loss in your life, grief is a natural response. And there are stages of grief that we work through, that we come through in order to come to acceptance and wholeness that God has for us. When you lose your job, you will grieve. When you lose a spouse, I will tell you, you will grieve deeply. When you lose your health, you will grieve. When there are life changes that are going all around you, it will produce grief. But I will tell you this, behind it all, in Christ Jesus, there is always hope for your future. That's why he says, in a little while, right now, you will grieve. It's happening. It's taking place. But in a little while, you will rejoice. This too shall pass away. And Jesus tells the disciples, in that day, in that hour, you will have a joy that nobody will ever take away from you. Joy is not the denial of the other emotions, but being in touch with them all in every season of our lives. Real joy comes from knowing that Jesus understands. He knows how we feel. The Bible says we don't have a high priest who's not touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we are. He understands how you feel. He knows what you're going through. He identifies with our hurt and with our pain. He is our great, faithful high priest. He understands. And knowing that he is with me in the grief, Knowing that he's with me in the anger, he's with me in the frustrations, he's with me in the hurts. That knowing that Christ is with me, that is wholeness, and that helps me to make it through. And knowing that none of those emotions will overtake me. It's not that we don't get angry, and it's not that we don't get sad, and it's not at times we're not frightened or irritable, but none of these emotions will overtake me because joy will follow. And so in a little while, you'll be angry. In a little while, you'll grieve. In a little while, you'll feel some disgust. In a little while, you'll be afraid. But, but don't worry, joy's coming. It's coming. That's why joy could not be taken from these disciples. 
These disciples themselves, listen to me, these disciples that he is talking to, every single one of them would lay down their life for the sake of the gospel except John, and he would spend time in in prison on the Isle of Patmos. And yet their joy was so deeply seated in Christ that no matter what happened to them, they knew that Christ would be with them. And so they laid down their life for the sake of the gospel. And it wasn't because it was a fake happiness or waking up in the morning and making a fake decision and saying, I'm going to fake it until it comes along. Just smile and just fake it, and at some point, joy will catch up. No, that's not what it's all about. But it's a total contentment and trust that is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. That goes much, much deeper than that external happiness. No matter what emotions you might feel. Just like Bing Bong, Riley's imaginary friend in the video clip we showed you, she tried to cheer him up and make him feel happy and say, come on and do whatever she could. But it wasn't until sadness came along and sat down beside of him that he began to understand that someone identifies with what I'm going through and it gave him strength to go on. All these emotions are very, very real. Today, you may be confused about life. You may be sitting out there today. You may be hurting over a personal loss. You've lost something very, very dear to you. You may be afraid of your future, what's going to happen and what's going to take place and what's going to happen in my life. You may be disappointed, but we trusted, but we believed, but we thought the miracle was coming. We thought it was going to happen this way. We thought everything was going to be okay, and we believed, and it it just didn't happen like we thought it was going to. And, And sometimes we feel that dark cloud moving in over us, and it keeps us from seeing the hand of God. And when that dark cloud settles in, it can be very, very discouraging, grieving, depressing, and hard. And it's in that darkness we don't always see God's hand. But I will tell you, he is right there with you. He promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. His hand is very, very real, even in the dark experiences. When I lost my first wife in an automobile accident, for myself personally, that was the darkest experience that I ever went through. It, uh, it's, it's, I went through the normal cycles of grief, but as I look back and reflect on it, I would say for a time I was in a state of real depression. And people would say, cheer, you know, could say, cheer up and just, just feel better and it's going to be okay and, it, and, it's gonna, and this and that. And they meant well and they tried to help, but unless they've walked where you walk, they don't totally understand what you're going through at the time. I experienced every emotion. I, I went through that time of anger. I got mad at God. I got very angry with God. I said, God, what did you do what you do? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. I, I can't put a rhyme or reason to it. And I got mad at God. I went through times of confusion, the why. Fear of my future alone. I was thinking, that I, I fear I think was an emotion that I was dealing with. Probably wouldn't have admitted it at the time, but yet at times I probably deep in the inside very afraid and surely an intense grief. And I, and I thank God for this church who kept loving me through every single minute of it. I knew the Lord was with me, but I couldn't see him. That, that's what happens when that dark cloud comes over you. I knew that God was with me, and there were times I really felt his presence and his undergirding and his strength, but, but there were a lot of times I just couldn't see him, just couldn't see the presence of the Lord. It was New Year's Eve night, and uh, everybody was, you know, New Year's Eve, everybody's happy, and they're all kissing their husband or their wife or whatever, and... and uh, 
doing all that. And I was at, someone invited me to just by myself to come. So I was there with them, trying to celebrate with them. And I was feeling very, very lonely in that night. Just, just something about that. It was six months after the passing of my wife. And just extreme, extreme loneliness. And a lady in this church who has a real strong intercessory prayer ministry. And she's powerful. And she's one of these ladies that when she speaks prophetically, you listen. You know, she just says something. And she came up and just said, you know what, Pastor? The Lord dropped it into my heart to tell you this. And I want to share this with you. And I'll never forget it. It was simply these words, the cloud is getting ready to move. And uh, what a word of encouragement at a time I needed it. And I began to feel a release. And I felt the embrace of God's presence in that moment. And just hearing that meant so much to me. And I began to see colors again. You know, when you're depressed, everything's gray and black and white. And, and I began to see, notice colors again. And then God, a few months later, led me to my now beautiful wife. Beautiful wife then. I don't mean she wasn't beautiful then, but led me to my beautiful wife. And I can say that after a little while, my sorrow was turned to joy. When Mary Magdalene returns after the resurrection, she finds the disciples. And, and uh, what are they doing? They're hiding behind a room, and they're afraid, and they're hiding for their lives. And, and she finds them and uh, begins to share the report. They didn't totally believe her at first, but then the Bible shares that in the upper room, Jesus appeared to them, and the disciples were glad. They were glad. The joy is coming back. And when Jesus Christ ascended, it says in the Word of God, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Great joy. Now listen to me. The very cause of their sorrow, the death of Christ, became the ground and subject of their greatest joy. Wow. Let me say that again. I want you to hear it. I'm going to to say it one more time. The very cause of their sorrow, the death of Jesus Christ, would literally become the ground and subject of their joy. When you begin to acknowledge your emotions and you begin to deal with them, it begins the process of healing. And it helps you to see things differently. And our perspective begins to change. And everything begins to take that shift in our emotions, and the joy comes back. Take a look at our final clip. Go ahead. I know you don't want me to, but home. I miss Minnesota. You need me to be happy, but I want my old friends and my hockey team. I want to go home. Please don't be mad. Minnesota too. I miss the woods when we took hikes. And the backyard where you used to play. Spring Lake where you learned to skate. Come here. 
Look at verse 24. The last point is simply this, embrace the gift of each season. Embrace the gift of each season. He says in verse 24, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Riley's acknowledgement and decision to be vulnerable finally led to her, that emotional response that led to her healing in the, we just watched. Their father invites us to come to him. He says, ask. When you're grieving, ask. When you're hurting, ask. When you don't understand, ask. When you're going through tough times, just ask of me. Come to me. Lean on me in every season of life. And if we turn to the Lord, even in these emotional transitions, he will give you fullness of joy, full joy, complete joy. Wholeness and healing only come through brokenness. When the emotions of sadness and joy are partnered together, it's then we can sense God's presence at its very closest. God is present to help us navigate through some of life's darkest storms because he is with us and he understands and he knows how we feel and we can go to him. Look at verse 24 again. He links prayer. He says, you can ask of me with our dependence upon God. And when he said, we pray and we ask anything in his name, he said, then your joy will be full. He said, your dependence on me is gonna be the key to your joy. Not trying to prop yourself up, not trying to push your emotions down, not trying to deny what you're going through, but when you totally depend and trust in me, it will take you through to that level of joy that no one will be able to take away from you. Philippians 4, 6 says it this way, in everything by prayer and supplication, make our requests known to God with thanksgiving. And then he goes on to say, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amid the external troubles, our joy can be full. Even in times of trouble, I can still have joy that no one can take away. You see that sometimes life is a paradox. Sometimes the worst of times can bring out the best. And out of our pain can come the joy. In the same passage I read to you in verse 21, he talks about the pain of the, the labor of a woman in childbirth and giving birth. She will go through the most incredible pain that she is feeling in giving birth to that baby. But the Bible says, but for the joy when that child is born, all, all, everything else is forgotten when you hold that baby in your arm. It's sorrow's comfort that can bring deep joy. Joy isn't happiness, but joy is wholeness. So many come to church believing they have it all together and we put on our mask. Both believers and non-believers have a lot of stuffed emotions and things we push down and cram down. But when we choose, like Riley, when we choose to share, we may just find out that others feel the same way. And it's in a church we can come in and find hope and someone who understands. It's in our home groups so we can pray together and we can cry together and we can join our hands together and we can process through what we're going through. And it happens in our home groups on during throughout the week and here at the church as well. 
There are so many here facing hardships, but we are always stronger together, and that's why we need each other in the family of God. And I will tell you, it can get better as we begin to open up and become transparent and share with those who we can trust in, who we can open up to, and they will hear and they will pray with us and they will embrace us and they will walk with us every step of the way. And that's why the body of Christ and faith assembly of God is so phenomenal. And the disciples' greatest grief became their greatest joy. Because for them, it was the cross was the gateway to life. And without the cross, without his death, without the beating, there would have been no resurrection. And the Bible says, it's good that I go away, because if I go away, I will send to you another comforter, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. And he will open up in you a brand new relationship with your heavenly father. And now you can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. And so I've got to leave. I've got to go so I can send them back to you. And he assures them, and I will come back and I will receive you unto myself. And that day is still coming. Today, true joy is always found in Jesus Christ, not in circumstances, not in other people, not in other things, but it's found in Jesus no matter what season of life you may find yourself in right now. I will tell you today, if you don't know him, you can invite him to come into your heart and life. You simply say, God, I need you. God, I'm lost. You acknowledge your lostness. You acknowledge your sin, and you say, I know I don't have it all together, and I want you to come into my life, and I want you to be my Lord, and I want you to be my Savior. And if you do know him, it's time to be honest It's a call to be imperfect and let him bring healing to those hurts. But I will tell you, our hope and joy is always found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.